freely you gave it all for us, surrendered your life upon the cross. Great is the love poured out for all. This is our God. The question this morning is, how are we going to respond to that? With all He has done for us, for all He does for us, and all the ways He demonstrates His love for us, how are we going to respond to that? Over the next few months, we'll be exploring a lot of things as we battle for truth. And one of the truths we're going to battle for is what it means to love God. Since it was published in 1992, this book, The Five Love Languages, by Gary Chapman, has sold over five million copies. There's a reason why it sold so many. I'm sure a few of you have this adorning the bookshelf at home. A few? Yep. <laughs> the premise of this book, The Five Love Languages, is that we are all uniquely wired to perceive and receive love uh, through one of or a combination of five expressions. Okay? We express love and we understand and get love and receive it through words of affirmation, through acts of service, through physical touch, through quality time and from the receiving of gifts. Uh, it seems like we're all unique and we have our own combination of these things. And this can be a real confusing deal in relationships because you could have one person who is pouring their heart out in love and doing something like maybe buying gifts regularly or making gifts to give to someone, but the other person doesn't seem to get it and doesn't feel loved by this act because that's not how they're wired to receive love. All they need is just a cuddle, a free little cuddle. That lets them know that they're loved. That's how they're wired to receive it. After reading this book and taking a good hard look at myself, my relationships and reflecting on what makes me feel loved, what makes me feel appreciated, I've come to understand that I am a words of affirmation guy. If you know me, you'll know that words are very important to me. I'm very particular about words. Words carry power, particularly with me. Uh, power to heal, power to build up, power to encourage, and also power to pull me down. But I feel very loved when people speak words of appreciation, words of encouragement, words of affirmation over me. This builds up my love tank. There you go. Filling up right now. My wife, Leslie, is, uh, as it turns out, is a quality time girl. It's one of the harder ones for a guy to respond in. But Leslie feels most loved when someone gives her undivided, exclusive attention where she is the most important thing in your world right then. You block out everything else. 
you sacrifice time for Leslie, she feels very special. The more that Leslie and I have come to understand our love languages, um, how we each receive love, and the more articulate we have become in expressing love to each other, uh, the more our love has grown and the more our marriage has thrived. When Jesus, asked, when Jesus was asked one day, what is the greatest commandment? His response was, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. A rather edifying med- meditation for us is, what might God's love language be? How does God receive love? How does God desire us to express our love to him? Imagine if we could learn to love God the way that he desires it and through that see our love for him grow and our relationship deepen and thrive. Now I'm not suggesting that we'd find the answer to that question in this book. Okay, That was good for me and Leslie, but we're done with that for now. But the answer to how to love God, you better believe it's in this one. This is God's love language book. In here, God has told us explicitly how we can demonstrate our love for him. A careful study of scripture will reveal to us that there are a number of ways in which we can demonstrate our love for God. How we can grow in it, And we'll be exploring these things together over the next few months. But the overwhelming testimony of Scripture by sheer weight of reference is that God does indeed have one primary love language. I wonder if you know what that is. Turns out the first clue to how God has asked us to love him is found in the very first reference to people loving God. It's found in Exodus chapter 20. Please turn there now if you have the word with you. Exodus chapter 20, from verse 4, which is the second of the Ten Commandments. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Love me and keep my commandments. These two imperatives are a matched pair. And they are repeated together time and time again throughout Scripture with ten references in Deuteronomy alone. Verses like these, Deuteronomy 10, 12 to 13. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving to you today for your own good. Deuteronomy 11.1, love the Lord your God and keep his requirements, his decrees, his laws and his commands always. 
Deuteronomy 30.16. I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. It goes on and on like this throughout Scripture, verse after verse. Love God and keep his commands. In fact, there are very few references to people loving God in the Old Testament that are not accompanied with the qualifier that we are to obey and follow his commands as well. Our notion of love is often quite different from uh, that of the God in the Bible. We tend to think of love in nice, gooey feelings, which I'm not sure I have. There's granite in here. We tend to think of love in gooey, nice, romantic kind of notions. Uh, but the love that God speaks of in the Bible is a whole lot more substantial and costly, it turns out. Jesus himself said in John 15 verse 13, Greater love has no man than he laid down his life for a friend. And in 1 John 3.16, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Nothing particularly romantic about a man bleeding to death on a cross. But that is what love is. If we had any doubt about what love really is, Jesus demonstrated the most pure form of it when he gave his life for us. Love is self-sacrifice. It is putting another before yourself, denying our own needs and desires to see the, the desires of others fulfilled. True love costs the lover. And when we love God, it costs us our will as we surrender our will to God and live to follow his, to follow his word and to see his will accomplished in our life. To truly love God, we must give up the life that we would live for our own desires and ambitions, and we must live for him instead. Jesus phrased it like this in Luke chapter 9, Deny yourselves, take up your cross daily and follow me. Deny yourselves, take up your cross, and follow me daily. This isn't talking about an altar call when we give our life to the Lord, raise our hands and receive salvation. This is something that we do every day as part of following him, of loving him. Every day, it's putting him first. Every day, it's sacrificing our desires and our ambitions to see his fulfilled in our lives. That is what true love is. This isn't something that you do once. We do it constantly. This is something we do all day, every day, choosing his will over our own. I want us to move past this idea that love is a feeling. Love is a series of hard choices that we face every day. That isn't necessarily what we want love to be. We want it to be nice and warm feelings inside. And I'm sure we feel those for God all the time. But if they don't actually translate to a difference in our life, we're kidding ourselves. It's an infatuation. It's a crush. Most of us have a crush on God. We blush when he walks past us. 
That's not a relationship. It's not love. The first love language of God that the Bible reveals to us is acts of obedience. God is loved when we obey his commands. It's not sexy, but it's the truth. Obedience is a language that God's people must become fluent in. And like any language, obedience is learned. It's developed. You become more fluent in it the more that you practice it. You become more fluent in it when you are immersed in environments of obedience. The Bible talks to us about his people being uh, sharpened as iron sharpens iron. When we are immersed in environments of, of obedience and dedication to God, that has a profound influence on us. That's why God designed us to be in communities of faith. We could encourage each other in obedience and love. To grow in obedience, we must continue to submit areas of our life that are not under his rule. Areas that we have kept back for ourselves. And we all have these areas. I certainly do. We must practice obedience as a discipline, identifying the rebellious thoughts and habits in our life and bringing them under his rule. Sounds like a lot of hard work, doesn't it? I'm sure we don't want our relationship with God to be hard work. But I know that if you're married, you understand hard work and relationship. Oh, there's payoffs. There's dividends. But any true, powerful, amazing relationship requires sacrifice. It requires work. Because our nature... Our nature isn't inclined to want to give to others. Our nature isn't inclined to want to surrender and submit ourselves to others. Our nature is not inclined to want to put someone else first. And so we approach it as a discipline. We identify those rebellious thoughts and habits and we bring them under his rule. At the end of Psalm 139, David prays, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This needs to be our prayer as well. As we humbly ask God to show us the rebellious strongholds in our heart and our minds. Because our sinful nature builds up walls around these things and tries to protect them. We don't want to let go of these things. Obedience starts with listening. To obey, you must first hear God's voice. And that is not as hard as you might think. God has been speaking to his people for thousands of years, revealing his will to us. And thankfully, a lot of what he said has been written down. His will has been revealed. His general will for his people, for the nations and even his specific will for us. There are thousands of conversations with God in here that were meant for our ears. We just need to be listening. 
To obey God's command, we must know God's command. And so we spend time in his word to find what his will is and follow. And what his law is and obey. The words of Psalm 119 need to be our prayer and our practice. Let's listen to this. This is just a a few verses from, from Psalm 119. From verse 9. How can those who are young keep their way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Maybe you haven't thought of this before, but this is a love letter. It's a love song. It's a song about a man who seeks God's words and lives to obey his commands. That is a a love song to God. Pouring out your heart about how you love his law, you love obeying him, that is God's love language. And it goes on like that for 176 verses. You should read and immerse yourself in this scripture, soak it up, and catch the heart of a passionate lover of God. We seek his voice, we receive his word, and then we must surrender our will to him. Because more often than not, what God wants is not what we want. And so we must surrender our will to him and put him first. This is the love that God is looking for from his people. And it turns out, just like it can be in marriage, it can be quite hard to love him. I'm sure we'd much rather God wasn't so high maintenance. Send him some flowers every now and then, a nice card and a meal on Valentine's Day. Sing him a few nice songs on Sunday. Throw a few bucks in the offering. Surely that will fill God's love tank. That would be convenient, wouldn't it? But no, that is not good enough. Not for a wife, it turns out. And definitely not for God. Our God is a jealous God. And he must come first. And if we're serious about loving him, It must be on his terms and not ours. So whatever your love language is, you need to learn another one. You need to learn how to love in obedience because that's the language. The truth, once we've grasped it, presents us with a pretty harsh litmus test. Do we really love God? Or do we have some kind of crush on him? We like the idea of him and we like what he's done for us, but we're not prepared to hold up our end of the relationship. Do we really love God? 
Jesus said in John 14, verse 21, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And his disciple wrote in 1 John 5, This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. If we don't live lives characterized by surrendered obedience, we probably don't love God quite as much as we think we do. Our lifestyle proves our love or lack of it. So what are we going to do about that? Thankfully, there is no reason to despair because love is something that grows. Love is something that we can develop. Love languages are things that we can learn. Obedience is a work that God can help do in our hearts. And when we surrender ourselves to him and let him do in us his work, we become very loving people. Obedience is a decision we make hundreds of times a day. Every time we are faced with a choice to follow God's will and command or take another path. In God's strength, we can choose right over wrong. In His strength, we can choose His will over ours. But what that will take is very deliberate living. It means we have to slow down and think before we act, think before we speak. It takes very deliberate living and a humility that we might not have right now. And so we pray for humility and we pray for self-control and we pray that God would continue to shape our character. And that's something that I, w- I want us to pray for each other now. There's a few things that we need. We need humility. We need self-control. We need a, des- we need a desire for him. We need to want to love him. And those relationships, they start with a desire. A marriage starts with a crush. You see something that you like. You get an idea of something that you want in your life. And you start making a play for it. You start doing little things to draw the person to yourself. Well, it turns out God has done all that. God did all the spading. But now we are in relationship. We need to get past the the crush and really learn to love him. So yeah, we need to learn some new languages here. I wonder if you'd pray with me now. Lord God, I just want to thank you so much just to start. Thank you so much that you love me, that you love us, Lord, so recklessly. It blows me away, Lord, how much you love me and that you love me 
despite everything I do in return, how I reject you constantly, how I cheat on you, how I put other things first, I spurn you constantly, but your love never turns off. I can't even understand it. And Lord, deep within me, I want to be different. I want to respond in kind. I want to love you back the way that you love me as much as I am able. But Lord, as I search myself right now and I am honest, I know that in my own strength I cannot do that. I am too selfish. I am too broken. So Lord, I pray that you would do in me a mighty work. Lord, I need to be humble. You first. Lord, I need discipline. I need self-control to live out what I want to do for you. To bring into submission, Lord, the rebellious parts of my character, of my mind. Lord, I need to be humble. I need to be self-controlled. Lord, and I need my passion for you, my desire for you, just to grow and multiply. That you would be my greatest thirst. Before any physical, emotional need I might have, I need you to be my greatest hunger, my greatest thirst. And that that hunger would drive everything else I do. Lord, I pray you'd help me to rein in those parts of my life that are disobedient. Lord, I pray you'd show me what they are right now, just as as King David prayed. I pray, Lord, you'd search me and find all those offensive ways in me. Help me to see them and then bring them to you. Lay them at the foot of your cross. I want to be different. I pray, Lord, that you'd be blessed by my relationship. I just see it constantly. It is so one-sided. It is all you. I pray, Lord, I would be able to love you in return and you would feel blessed and loved by me. I pray, Lord, you'd surround me, each one of us, Lord, with brothers and sisters who can encourage us in this, can give us strength, can hone us to make us more like your son, Jesus. I pray, Lord, in this place here, iron would be sharpening iron constantly as your spirit does a work through all of us. I pray, Lord, that this community, the rock, would be characterized by loving obedience. God's people doing his will. And that when you look on us, Lord, you would just say, declare to the heavens, these are my good and faithful servants. And they love me. Teach us, Lord, this love language of obedience. And be blessed, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. There are a few more things, a number more things to be said about loving God. Turns out he does have other love languages as well. Languages that we are more fluent in. 
But I wanted to start with this so that we all understand that this is number one. This is his primary love language. We learn this one and everything else follows. So, um, so my encouragement would be to spend some time in Psalm 119 and to take that verse in Psalm 139 at the end there and to sit down with the Lord over the next couple of days and search that out. And it's step by step. This is a journey. It is a journey, God sanctifying us and making us holy and growing righteousness within us. And like any discipline, it's a step by step and we work at it. And as we allow him to do a work in us, you won't recognize yourself when he's finished his work. Thank you.